Hello and welcome to another exceptional edition of the Drywall Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Harmon. This is the 14th podcast of the Drywall Podcast. We have with us today Master Finisher, Mudman Dan, or Dan Gray, as he was known in his childhood. Dan and I have an awesome time discussing all things drywall. Him almost dying of COVID, popcorn ceilings, running his own company, patching, and also payment structures. I was going to work on a Thursday, Friday. My girlfriend had gone out with a nurse, a friend of hers, that contracted COVID and got my girlfriend sick. A couple okay. of days later, I got sick at work. I, I was just kind of getting flushed, felt like a cold. I'm like, oh, yeah. crap. That night, literally that, so I felt sick that morning, that night, I called the client up and said, I don't feel good. I, you know, and I didn't have a COVID test at that point. I don't think they had them. So I'm like, can I, can I postpone this job? And she's like, no, I got painters coming, flooring guys coming <laughs> The Drywall Podcast is brought to you by Fresco Harmony. Fresco Harmony, making walls better since 2004. We're excited to have Dan Gray on the show today. We appreciate you listening. Without further ado, Mudman Dan. Yep, we have Mudman Dan with us today on the Drywall Podcast. Here we are. Did you get a ch- Did you get a chance to listen to a podcast? I. I'm not gonna lie, I did Damn. not. I I got home yesterday and fell asleep. <laughs> That's okay, man. That's okay. Uh, you know they're interesting. Um, I, I I mean I have to listen to them, but uh, they're they're pretty interesting. They're all different. I'm, I'm I'm not. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get them. I'm gonna nail them. I'm gonna start yeah. listening to them at work. But I've been like in between. I don't know if you ever see me. I'm always wearing my headphones. So okay. I'm, always, I'm taking calls at work while I'm working. I'm like, if you've ever watched my videos, I don't stop ever. I just like, I'm blowing up. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I mean, you're, you're on social media. You're pretty uh, prevalent. Exactly. So uh, I've been following you for a little while, maybe since the drywall talk days. Were you, did we talk about that a little bit? Were you on drywall talk? I don't remember per se. It's been a while, but I, yeah. I know you and me have known each other for a while, for a couple yeah. years now. Uh, Dan Gray. Dan Gray. Yeah, that's my. Ah, uh, that's that's why you and Josh Gray are mutter brother. Yeah. Mutter, so mutter he's we're not we're not related, but he just yeah. happens to have the exact same last name spelled exactly the same way. Awesome. Like, how did you? Like, drywall. <laughs> he told me, but uh, on his podcast, I think. But how did you meet Josh? Oh boy, how did I meet Josh? It's it might have been through social media. I gosh, it's been so long. I don't even remember now. Yeah. Um, I I think he reached out to me and said, "Hey, I've I've got some patchwork." We, so, so we were competition in back in Denver. He was in Littleton, and I was just I just went everywhere. And I think he was trying to throw me some side work, you know, some work from clients he couldn't handle. Okay. And then we just started talking and then we built a relationship and then we, you know, we go out and have a dinner or lunch every once in a while. And then I worked on a couple of his jobs with him. Um, and yeah, we just became really good friends. He you seems know, like a really nice, he seems like a super nice guy. Super chill. I mean, he is super down to earth. He, he, yeah. He'll bend over backwards for him, yeah. for you, but like, don't don't do him wrong, but like yeah, he'll give you the shirt off his back if you don't. Need. Try not to do anybody wrong if you can help it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's how it should uh, be, right? And you seem like a pretty you seem like a pretty good guy too, pretty chill. I'm not I'm not too bad. I don't <laughs> I don't do a lot of talking. If you ever watch my videos, I hardly ever talk because uh, I always do the time lapse thing. I just let yep. my work do the talking. Yeah. But um, and most of the time I'm in occupied home, so it's really hard to kind of go, hey, let's do it. Yeah. You know, I don't want people are working from home or yeah, you know, it feels so, weird. I, I went through a spell there where I was going live a few times. It feels kind of weird, but I I think that content is really golden. It's really good. Yeah. Yeah. 
And I've, my reputation, I don't know if you know, is I use five minute mud on pretty much everything. My guy, Jack, my guy, Jack is like that. <laughs> I'll buy him like 20 minute and he's like, what's this stuff? And I only use 90 minute. I'm like, just pokey, super slow. Well, I, I just, I like being home by noon. So most of my patching, smaller patch shops, I'm home by noon drinking a beer. You know, yeah. Or good for you. In the pool or doing other stuff. So I can yeah. knock out multiple batches because I don't know if you've ever seen my blow dryer and a stick trick. <laughs> ah, uh, I think so. Yes. I think yeah, so. So do you have a heat it, gun? Do you prefer a, a blow dryer I, to a heat gun? I'll tell you if I'm going to preach this, don't okay. use heat guns. They're right. dangerous. Yeah. I had two or three close calls with them where the cords got pulled out, shot in a different direction, hit my plastic, started smoking. Yeah. You know, not that the plastic would start fire, but it was like sending fumes out. Yeah. And another one, I shot an opposing wall versus my patch, started melting up all the all the paint. Yeah. Yeah. So I quit. I, I switched over to blow dryers soon after. Smart. I have a blow dryer in my truck. Um, I have a uh, it's like this cheap little blow dryer. I've had it for 15 years. Yeah. Th thing won't die. And then I have a uh, I do have a heat gun in my studio when I'm doing custom colors. Mm -hmm. that's it though that's all i use it for you know it seems I, like too it dries too it dries it too quickly yeah well that's that's the thing is with hot mud which i use mine for quick set i i fast dry my five minute mud it's great hot muds don't shrink and they don't crack like a regular normal drywall compound yeah when you put a thick compound on and then you yeah. throw a heat gun on there it cracks and shrivels up and it's just yeah. nasty mess yeah so yeah, so I don't it, recommend doing that. Kind of burns that top layer. Um, yeah, uh, I do. I use the quick set when I'm doing uh, like heavy brick covers, like that kind of stuff. People think like you can't build it up very much, but I've done like brick. I've gone over brick where it's like an inch deep. No problems. Like yeah. never in 17 years, I've never had one fail. Like that's, that's a good track. We probably done 30 of those, 35 of those. Let me ask you a question. What's your opinion about mesh tape and, and patching? You know, what's the proper procedure? Uh, great question. I'll tell you the, my experience about mesh tape. I never knew there was a mesh tape like stigma until uh, I used mesh tape on plaster patching plenty before Fibafuse. I would go in and uh, we would do like plaster repair and you'd have the spider yeah. cracking. And I always kind of liked mesh tape in that scenario. And I used it with regular all-purpose joint compound, never had mm -hmm. issues um, until we, I subcontracted a house that I was doing. I subcontracted to a company to come in and finish it. They hung it. I gave them a piece rate price to hang it and then a piece rate price to finish it to level three. And then we did mm -hmm. Fresco Harmony. They ran mesh tape. They forgot to do the porch or something, or the porch was done later. They ran mesh tape and regular joint compound on the porch, uh, exterior like porch ceiling. The whole thing mm -hmm. cracked. And I was like, mm -hmm. okay, that's the last time I use mesh tape. It was only has it only has to happen once, and then it's like, well, screw that. Was that it, weather related though? Was it cold? Was it? I don't know, man, because I went back because the whole thing was Gallery Pearl was finished in Gallery Pearl. And then I went back and I fixed that ceiling two more times with paper tape and it's still cracked. Like, so it might have been something with the house settling or something weird like that. But with the fiber fuse, I kind of don't see and I don't eat. I don't see any um, purpose for mesh tape aside from when I try to like so in in New Mexico, we have these weird bulbous surfaces like Adobe style homes with like mm -hmm. weird undulating surfaces and things like that. Now, when I try to do a, a plaster patch over a weird round or undulating surface with fuse, it doesn't stick. It doesn't want to curve and stick. So mm -hmm. for those instances, I'll use paper tape or fiber tape, but I kind of just go back to fiber tape and I don't do any like residential new construction, but if I was mm -hmm. doing new construction now, I would probably run my angles with paper tape and I would run all the field and everything with fiber fuse. 
and yeah that i mean that's my that's my two cents on the whole tape uh mystery okay because my take on i i don't use mesh tape anymore but i did 20 years of commercial but we always use quick set mud and i worked for the same companies for like 10 years at a time and we know i never got sent back to fix anything so I think if you pre-fill with hot mud, use yeah. mesh tape with a first coat of hot mud, yep. you're golden, you know? And But it, then, like you said, foundation issues, it's going to yeah. crack anything. When I was just... in Colorado, they would run the sticks of metal. We would mesh tape the corner bead yep. and then yep. run That's the cool. first first coat with quickset. And that's a pretty badass corner at that point. Yeah, that's how I was trained. Yeah, makes. And that's because of the the freezing under the ground, like the the it would always like. There's a name for it, but when the ground freezes, Colorado's full of bentonite, which so it swells up in the summertime and then shrinks up in the wintertime. Yeah, yeah. well, it's like Um, it freezes underneath, and so as as the temperature gets hotter, the ground beneath the house like thaws out and it like the house it causes the houses to move more interesting yeah, yeah cool we're so, getting so into we're getting into the nitty-gritty of di- drywall here early on not not wait, not a- <laughs> go ahead have you used the fiber fuse max yet the reinforced no fuse that stuff is awesome. i would I, I, on inside corners it doesn't rip and tear as easy oh, okay so it's a lot more forgiving and then if you are doing uh plaster repairs or just regular drywall patching it's sure. got reinforcement yeah. strips through it so it's, it it's, looks fabulous and I can only find it. yeah and it's awesome i love that stuff mm-hmm. that's my new that's all I now, use. is it hard to is it hard to tear because it has yeah, a... yeah you can't you can't tear it like the normal fiber fuse you right have to, i have to use a sharp drywall knife to cut it so it's like a crossbreed between uh, regular fiber tape and fiber fuse it's like yeah I just like how I like the regular fiber fuse, how you can rip the edge. I do a little trick if I'm doing patching for Fresco Harmony's fabulous because it doesn't build out your patch and you can mm-hmm. kind of get away with two coats and just seal in it. Yeah. And like I'll rip the edge of it so that I have kind of a spiny, you know, so it's not sharp mm-hmm. when I do a patch. Um, that's just how I do it. And I mean, you know, I'll just tear a little circle you know, if it's like a hole in the wall, just tear a circle so the edges are all grainy and it gives yeah. you a nice splay. Oh, that's nice. I'm, I might have to try that trick. Yeah, I just instead of having a straight, you know, we're we're always like cut it straight edge. I yeah. started tearing the 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 edge of it so it's not super straight. And it yeah, even it even like sense. splays out even more. It's pretty cool. But it's, it's- all those simple little tricks that we learn over the years or by trial and error. Mm-hmm. And then, but then you go into a drywall form group and they're like bashing you. Like, what do you, it's like, <laughs> hey, it's working. It works for me. I'm just showing my way, you know, they yeah. love it or hate it. See, they can't really bash us here. All they're doing out there in the field right now is like, they're just listening to this content and they're judging us in their head, but they can't say anything uh-huh. about it. That's the best part. Oh, and great. hey, to like all you, to, to all the listeners out there, if you're listening to the Mudman McGrain uh, uh, Drywall Podcast, and you think that he's full of shit or that I'm full of shit, I challenge you to email me at info at frescoharmony dot com and just let us know. <laughs> um, yeah, because uh, yeah, we don't know everything. We, you know, and I mean, I'm guilty too. I like to. Uh, I, I like to pretend, you know, like I know everything. There's a lot of plaster systems out there where people challenge me and I'm, you know, I've been doing the colored mud for so long that I just, I get really tunnel vision and set in my yes. ways. And it's just, yeah. you know, I think it's kind of a, a nature of uh, who we are as drywallers, you know? <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a lot of competition. Like I could do that better. And it, yeah. So. Yeah. And I mean, weird things like I went to, up to trim techs and I experienced the butt board. I'm not a hanger, um, mm-hmm. but it seemed like a pretty good concept. Like, you know, I and love that. <laughs> it works great. And it doesn't for... like everybody that uses it loves it. But the people that have never used it are the first ones to like be like, that's what the hell are you doing? You know? Yeah. No. 
and it works great. Like when I was doing basements in Denver, I would run into spots where the framing was off or whatever, and you just throw one of those in there and it solves it. It's not like you're doing it on every single board, but if you have a couple spots, it's, it's fine and it's legit. It works great. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Um, so yeah, so I like, uh, you know, I've done you, you are probably going to be number 14 podcast number 14. Um, I've done a lot of podcasts and the odd thing about it is we don't talk a lot about drywall. We get into all kinds of other weird shit. Mudman Dan. Mudman Dan. Uh, Robert McLaughlin, you know, you know him, right? Yeah. So his, uh, his podcast dropped today. Like actually it was supposed to drop, supposed to drop tomorrow, but like I punched the wrong button or something. So anyways, a lot of joking. We do a lot of joking. It's, but it's very entertaining. Okay. And, uh, you know, he knows his stuff, you know, like, Mm -hmm. like, like it's definitely cool too. Uh, and I've been doing a lot of the social influencer type people, um, it's going to be interesting to do larger company owners. So I'm going to start stretching out like these dudes that run like bigger companies, like they're going to have a whole different input on the business side of things, you know? Yeah. Like who's running drywall nation now? Is that Ben? Is it Ben? I don't know. I mean, yeah, he's, he's pretty big in the drywall influencing world. Yeah, I reached out to, uh, I reached out to Brian and I, I, I know Brian a little bit. Um, and then, and then I, uh, trim techs, we might be doing a, a, like a training up there at the, at the, uh, beginning of, beginning of October. And I'm going to do a live, uh, maybe do some live podcasting up there. Uh, but I I told their marketing guys that like, they could choose some people, you know, and I'd be happy to, uh, interview them and, um, just have some fun and play around with trim text products and look at new products. And then I told him like one of the ladies had some fresco in her office. I was like, that's so cool. Let's do, let's do all the different offices at the trim tech instead of just doing like stu- blank walls, like have the people yeah. that work at trim text pick a wall and we'll like do an accent wall. You know, each person that's at the training can do their own accent wall in a certain color. I thought that would be oh, cool. Yeah. See, that's cool. That's yeah, awesome. functional. Like why waste why waste material on, you know, a yeah. sample it's going to get thrown out. Um Mudman Dan. So how I for how I kind of got connected with you was you had um you got covid really bad. And um you got like so much so that you were in the hospital and like, like you were ready to die. Yeah. And year, um, year that's to date last July. A, a year ago. So, so um, I want to dig into that a little bit just cause it's kind of interesting to me, the whole concept of, you know, we're not, we're not immortal. Um, and uh, so there was a little bit about, you said you were kind of on the fence about the vaccinations, but you, you and your wife, uh, or you had decided not to get vaccinated. Was she vaccinated? Yeah. So me, me, me and my girlfriend at the time, girlfriend, sorry. Yeah. We were both, um, Moderna had come out, uh, Pfizer was out and Johnson and Johnson had just came out. So there was like three choices. And then we come to find out Johnson Johnson was kind of having whatever side effects for certain people. So we were like, okay, waiting. Um, and then, that was probably about a three month gap where we were trying to decide if we wanted, you know, we weren't anti-vaccination, but I, like the rest of the world, I'm like, I want to give it a chance to see the side effects, you know? Um, yep. So we waited <clears throat> and then I was going to work on a Thursday, Friday, my girlfriend had gone out with a nurse, a friend of hers, they contracted COVID and got my girlfriend sick. A couple okay. of days later, I got sick at work. I, I was just kind of getting flushed, felt like a cold. I'm like, yeah. oh, crap. That night, literally that, so I felt sick that morning. That night, I called the client up and said, I don't feel good. I, you know, and I didn't have a COVID test at that point. I don't think they had them. So I'm like, can I, can I postpone this job? And she's like, no, I got painters coming, flooring guys coming. <laughs> like, like, okay, I'll be there tomorrow. So yeah. I go. And oh, you're dying? No, I need, I need my drywall hung. Yeah. 
Typical. So I go and I'm suffering the entire next day, get the job done. And then come to find out we go and get tested, you know, the, the, the following day, the third day, and we both have COVID and, and my COVID, my girlfriend's COVID was just normal type COVID, you know, bad symptoms, flu, like yeah. it was still intense, but mine, because I've had pneumonia, a couple cases of pneumonia in the past, and my parents were uh, smokers for 20 years. So as a kid, I probably got a little bit of lung issue. Yeah. I just, I, my, within two weeks, I lost like 30 pounds. Uh. Um, yeah. And I went to a hospital here, the ER in, uh, oh gosh, what's that? I can't think of the name, but anyways, sat in the waiting room for eight hours. Nobody assisted me. I was like, what's going on? I kept waiting room questions. is probably packed with COVID yeah, people. It's packed. I'm wearing a mask because I know I got COVID, but I'm just like, yeah. and I, I just literally tell the, the admittance people, I'm like, I'm out of here. This is retarded. You know, I'm, I'm not going to sit here any longer waiting yeah. for service, you know? So I left there, went home. And then uh, two days later, I, I woke up and told my girlfriend, I'm like, I got, let's do it. Take me to the hospital. So she took me to Sharps down in San Diego and they were amazing. Don't even remember the trip down there. I was blacking out, in and out, uh, and they had to they had to drag me out into a wheelchair, roll me in. And when I got there, my body oxygen was below fifty percent. So, so what? Was, wait, what's the timeline from the you had the symptoms and called the uh, called your client to trip to the hospital? Two, two weeks total. Oh so wow! I, so you were struggling. So I was just dropping daily fast. Yeah, Fast. I couldn't eat. I couldn't. I had no energy. I was coughing out my lungs, you know. Yeah. So at home, Ugh. and then within a two-week period, I got admitted to the hospital. Um, looked like I was drunk, walking, trying to get to the car because I was leaning on the garage. My girlfriend yeah. was looking at video recordings, and and I was just I was a wreck. Yeah. Um, got admitted there. The nurses that night told me because they wanted to stick the breathing tubes down me and put yeah. me in an induced coma. And I'm like, no, I'm not doing that. And they're like, well, you better call and say goodbye to all your people, you know, if you can wow. even do it. Yeah. So that was very. What goes through what goes hopeful. through your head when a nurse tells you to say goodbye to people? What what uh, what what was your what was your like thought process when that happens? I mean, you obviously you start thinking about death. A lot of tears. A lot of tears. I yeah. just got flooded with emotions. Yeah. And then I'm like. I haven't done this. I haven't done that. I don't yeah. have this in place. I, don't, I mean, I was just like, uh, I can die tonight. Uh, and yeah. then the, one of the worst parts about that, Nick, you can't have friends or family in with you. You're in an isolated right. room and they're all dressed up in suits and they're telling you this stuff and you can't, you, it's like, like you can have your kids, your mom, your dad, your friends. Yeah. Nobody can visit you and, and help you. And think about all the people that did die that way. You know, like that went out. Um, yeah, yeah, a lot, a lot, thousands and thousands. Um, so, so interesting. So then you, though, what, what I thought was very cool was you sort of started to document the process a little bit. And this is when I took notice because I was, you know, I was always curious about, uh, the COVID, you know, just like everybody, I guess. Um, uh, but your story sort of, hit close to home. Cause you were like, you know, you started to go live and talk about your experience in the hospital, which, which I thought was kind of cool. I mean, people can go back into your timeline, I guess, and, uh, and maybe check out mm -hmm. some of those, some of those, uh, you know, I mean, it's kind of cool. You had like this sort of timeline about what was going on now. What was your reasoning behind that? Did you want to warn people or? Uh, I, I just, I'm, I'm like, I'm not going to preach do or don't because everybody's going to have their own beliefs, you know, yeah. and it's more in America and do whatever you want. But I was yeah. like, this is what happened to me. Don't let it happen to yourself if you can avoid it, because yeah, uh, you don't want to be in the hospital on those machines. Um, I literally could hear when they would go, I think it was a code blue or code red. And I would hear the doors opening to the rooms next to me. Those were people that freaking like emotional. They passed away. Yeah. They're dying. Well, I was in the same room. So I was like, I was on a mission to like eat every ounce of that crappy hospital food that they gave me. 
I was taking whatever I was doing. I was just compliant with everything. I didn't fight them one bit. I'm like, no. I just wanted healthy and get out of there. They wouldn't let me get out of bed and move around. But I like, I was lifting pillows, trying to gain my strength back. Yeah. You know, do leg lifts and stuff. And the nurses would be, that's why I was documenting. So they'd be looking in the room, laughing at me. <laughs> Cause yeah. I was doing leg lifts, trying to, I was so frail and fragile that yeah. I, I wanted to get healthy. You, know, you so had a will, you had, you had like a rejuvenation, like a will to live. Um, yeah. And I, seems I mean, natural. breathing was legit. Like I could not breathe, but it, 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 every day my oxygen level would get a little better. And then I was in the hospital a month and a half, two weeks. And then the wow. uh, intensive care, the surgical intensive care. And then another two weeks up in normal intensive care. And then, then like the third or fourth, fifth, sixth week, like getting towards a normal bedroom, you know, no normal doctor room. Wow. So like 45, 45 ish days. Yeah. That is it a was, long uh, time to open long time. Every day of that was by myself. So that's a long time to be in the hospital. Yeah. Um, okay. So so post COVID, would you, would you say that you have a, a renewed lease on life? Do, do you look at life differently? I, I do. I appreciate everything a lot more. Yeah. Um, and, and this is the scary fact about COVID. I'm still not a hundred percent with my smell, still not a hundred percent with my taste and I still have lung issues. So like, like yesterday when I was telling you, yeah, I'll listen to that podcast and get, when I get home, I've been hanging a drywall ceiling double air by myself for two days. Yep. It is taxing on me. I used to be just like, slam, slam, slam that up to do. Yeah. Now, every little bit, I'm like huffing and puffing. I'm getting better. I can feel over time, but a year has gone by and I'm still have some side effects. I've been vaccinated. I'm okay. vaccinated. Sure. I've got a boost. I'm on my third shot. And since I'm a high risk now, uh, I have another shot coming here pretty soon, another month or so. So, okay. And do you, uh, that's what I was going to ask. You never smoked. No, but you but just I had was, second. I was a second kid. Hand. I was, you know, I had second hand. My, I remember being in my parents' cars, you know, the windows are rolled up. They're just yeah. blown, you know, yeah. the seven, oh, dude. I was seven. right there with you, buddy. I was right there with yeah. you. And between the legs and the cigarette, you know, the little wing window. Yeah. 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 I lived in that car. I lived in that house um yeah uh yeah it wasn't a thing you know people didn't people didn't uh think about smoke like they like they do now i uh, think i never was a smoker i never i've never enjoyed or you know i tried smoking you know as a dumb teenager but i was yeah. like hey for, it wasn't for me so yeah no shame to the smokers out there no shame to the smokers you probably you might want to consider quitting but hey no shame um you know you we know all have on, on that note though when you're on an oxygen machine and you're struggling for breath you might want to think twice about what you're puffing on because if you ever end up on oxygen it is a real struggle in these drywallers we're around a lot of dust and, and fiberglass particles and particulates yeah. you know yeah. so it's a it's a dirty trade anyway so like, yeah i breathed a bunch um luckily I mean, I talk about that with Fresco Harmony, like the lack of sanding. You see those pictures, people like they're like, to me, stop me if I'm wrong, sanding is glamorized in our industry. It always has been. And especially not wearing a mask. Like I remember, I remember working in the union, dudes sanding all day, the journeyman guys, and then like big puffs of dust coming out of their mouth and like, yeah. you know and the dust coming off and it's kind of glamorized but the yeah. reality is like like nobody likes it it's the worst job there is um and uh it's dangerous it really yeah. is exactly you know so be be aware just be aware you know when you're standing and then i see people with full respirators and i'm like dude that is smart you know yeah. yeah um i wear i wear a bigger when i'm standing big time i wear a bigger respirator a full full respirator with a gasket with the air filter air filter and then i got the pre-filters but i also nowadays since i'm with tech i only do this with texture not smooth wall but i sure. melt everything back in with a wet sponge and it melts that 
my my hard lines on my patches right back into itself so when you spray texture you never even though if you sand sometimes you'll still see an outline when you melt it back in if you do it just right you get a perfect blend on the patch good tip good tip uh sometimes i do that man fresco harmony patches are so tricky they're all different and you know you're not just you're not just blending and then it's like it goes away you have to like foe it out i use a lot of paint techniques i was using paint today i was foeing out these little spots with the match paint um there's all kinds of weird techniques you know the color venetian plaster the color is another level i and they do it in stucco too like this the like the old school stucco dudes they'll like go around and like touch up the the uh stucco with match paint but i've never seen anybody do good exterior stucco patching it's always sticks out like a sore thumb so i'd I'd love to find a guy that could do that you know and and watch what he's doing good stuck i mean we do a lot of stucco down here good stucco guys will but it's a practice and it's like you know um i'm way better at patching than uh jack you know i i do all the i do most of the patching you know uh damage control i call it have you ever done a popcorn patch? No, no. I, I would tell him I'll, I'll cover it with Fresco Harmony, or here's a number of a person that you know call call Daniel Osborne. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. popcorn patches are hit or miss. You'll see a cold seam, or if you fold it in just right, they'll they'll look good. I don't like doing them, but I yeah. tell people in my contract 50 50 You're either gonna love it or hate it. But if you hate it, I'm still getting paid because yeah. I told you. But but the nice part is I'm second generation drywall. My dad sprayed all that crap on. I'm taking it all back off. So I'm just keeping the money in the family. (laughs) That's right. That's right. Uh, That's funny. Yeah, I met uh, Dwayne Freeman out of uh, uh, Oklahoma, Broken Arrow, and they're down here in Oklahoma City, uh, Freeman Drywall Mud. Um, He was bragging about how his dad came up with the the non-asbestos popcorn you know, and I was like, I don't know if you want to be bragging about that, dude. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't even like doing popcorn scrapes anymore, to be honest with you. It's just, it's so messy. And I'm like, yeah, and I, I, I literally, this going on the record, I just charge a lot to do it. Cause if I'm yeah. going to do it, I'm going to make I it worth my time because otherwise I don't want to do it. Yeah. I just raised my popcorn rates like by a buck a square foot. Um, yeah. I'll cover though. Jack and I'll cover if it's like open we'll scrape mm-hmm. jack likes to scrape we'll wet it down and we'll scrape but for the most part it's almost faster to just walk on we're used to spreading mud anyways it's almost faster to walk around and just coat that popcorn and then um you don't have the mess it encapsulates it um and then we'll go right into the three coat process of fresco but oh, nice. if you you lay out like a section and what happens is it like it wets that that uh, popcorn layer gets kind of moist and then so i'll lay out a section and then when you go back to it it like kind of it'll lay down like flat mm-hmm. like that yeah. it like activates the popcorn underneath if you let that that mud sit on there for a little bit and you can just like you can smooth it right out it's pretty interesting yeah yeah, literally, if they've never painted that popcorn ceiling, you could scrape it off in a bucket, re-wet, re-wet it, and respray that junk. Oh, interesting. It, that's the way that, that system works. So weird. But I agree so- with you, because if it's oil-based paint on there, it ain't coming off scraping. So I just plow it down and re-skim it and call it good. <laughs> so Interesting. Yep. Yep. Uh, yeah. Or if it, yeah. And especially if it has asbestos in it, I mean, yeah, you just want to encapsulate it. Otherwise you're paying thousands for, uh, uh, asbestos abatement, you know, team to come in and there's no way I want to get into that gig. No, forget about that. You know, I mean, even just Jack will go through and just kind of scrape the top layer. And I'm like, dude, be careful. Yeah. You never know what's in that crap. Um, post COVID you are, um, what, so you run your own company. Yeah. I, I, back in Colorado, I was running me and my nephew. I trained my nephew how to finish. So it was me and him. And now out here Neat. in California, I'm running solo. So, but I'm doing that for a reason because one, it's hard to find a good helping hand finishing finishers. Yep. 
because uh, I'm very picky. I'm very meticulous. I have yep. my, my style, so I really don't, and I'm so fast paced on patching. I don't have yep. the time to really, at this point, take somebody on and train them, you know, so. It just costs you money. And, and I do, I do, honestly, I do great patching. Patchwork is kind of, a lot of people don't want to do it. They want the bigger glorified, hey, I'm building houses or doing 50,000 square feet commercial. I'm like, yeah, been there, done that, did yeah. that 20 yeah. years ago. I'll take a patch any day of the week. Like I said, in and out two or three hours, put in my plastic tent, do, 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 spray, walk out the door with cash, you know? Yeah. Day. Yeah. You're not dealing with builders. That's nice. Mm-hmm. The homeowners of the homeowners are awesome. Can I get you a check? And it's like yeah. builders. It's like, dude, where's my money? I I finished your I I financed your job two months ago. For, like I thirty to ninety days they have. Builders. My guys are like, paid. I need to get paid, dude. It's like why in the why in the world do we have to like chase money from builders? I hardly and, ever work for builders just for that reason. I'm like, and, and they're they're fly by night, so you don't even know if you will get paid. Yeah. Yeah. And then you got to chase them down. It's like, like there's builders here. You got to chase down. It's like, you know, um, a couple of jobs I've gotten paid up front and it was just unprecedented. Like where I demanded it. They wanted me to do some specialty plaster, you know, nobody else could finish it. I was like, yeah, I can sort of match that with Fresco Harmony. I've done it before. It'll look okay. No guarantees. I need to get paid up front and they paid it. And uh, I went in and did my deal and the guy bitched and he was unhappy. And I was like, told you, you know, um, there's been a couple like that. Um, I I wish that I could do that on every job, but you really have to have some chutzpah because you say, I want to get paid up front and uh, people like freak out. It's so not normal in our industry to get paid up front that uh, I, I don't know. Honestly, I've never heard of a story of anybody else ever doing it. Yeah. Back in but, Denver, Denver in in California are two different beasts because in Colorado, I could ask for 50% if I wanted. You know, I never, I don't think I ever did 100%, but like on basements, yeah. and, you know, and, and here's here's where my, this is how I break out. Like if it's a $10,000 job and I'm framing, I want $2,500 for material and labor. Then okay. I want $2,500 when I hang it. You know, in yep. the drywall, twenty five hundred tape and finish texture on the end, and what that does is it keeps me and the client in line because yep. they're getting partial payments yeah. instead of a big lump. Hey, you owe me ten grand at the end, and they're like, "What?" Yeah, and I like to do the baby step walk that way because it keeps everybody and everybody's getting paid, and I'm there every day doing this. You know, not these like, oh, I want half up front and then they don't show up or they run with the money. And that's why clients get, they're like cautious because like, hey, we just paid that other guy and he, we haven't heard from him. Yeah, no, no shame to the, to the builders and homeowners that have gotten stiffed. You know, I get it. I get it. That does happen, but not every subcontractor is a criminal. Mm -hmm. And do a background on these guys. Like, you know, you know, get some references if, uh, you know, and I, I invite people to get references. I mean, you know, at a certain point you get, you get a reputation, you know, for being a not a non idiot, but, uh, I mean, horse, I still to this day and the horse stories are getting worse because the workers are less educated in the trades. They're charging more Mm -hmm. and it's just a shit show. Now, yeah. I mean, you're wise to, you're kind of wise to go solo. You, you know how I, how I do that for my clients is I use the Instagram platform and Facebook. Yeah. Yep. I record everything I do. I do that live video and then I yep. have a time-lapse video. So they, they, you know, they're coinciding with each other. Yep. And then a client calls me and they're like, Hey, I got a water damage ceiling. I got this patch two or three days ago, I just did that. Or I can go back a year. I've got over a thousand different repairs on my Instagram and I'm like yep. scrolling through, copy, paste that, send it to them. And they're like, wow, that was interesting. So I use that for my uh, references. Oh, so new lease on life. Has your, did your drywall, I guess, did your business change pre COVID versus post COVID? How do you do, how do you do business differently now? just all it did was slow me down a little. Um, okay. like I said, physically, and that's, and I'm still doing really good. I, my phone's always ringing. Yeah. Um, 
I use Google. I love and hate relationship with Yelp and yeah. then Facebook business, you know, so. Yeah. And how do you do, how do you just stay busy doing patches? That's interesting um, to me. So you just have a reputation or. I have a reputation like Google, the, they just changed the platform, Google business. Okay. Used to, like I would put, you know, patching in there and then I throw down a whole bunch of pictures and, and videos or whatever, you know, okay. of my work. Um, and then you can network, you know, not network, but you can pick your area, your radius. So I put in all the areas I'd want to work in. So I put water remediation, you know, drywall repair, just a whole list of what I offer. And a lot of that's word of mouth. Nextdoor was another good platform from the neighborhoods. Okay. Um, yep. And, and when people call me and they're like, Hey, I got a new build. I'm like, sorry, I don't do new builds anymore. Wow, you'll just turn them down, huh? I just have to turn them down, and then I can say, "Hey, I got a buddy that does this, and maybe I'll yeah. throw him that bone." But you I turn just, down, you turn down all that chatter, huh? I do <laughs> because because I tell that client that the, the next guy that's calling me is going to say, "Hey, I got a ceiling patch," and I'm like, "Yes, I'll take it." And I don't even hardly ever go out except for elderly people anymore to do estimates in person. I before COVID happened, had been doing virtual estimates for years, for probably okay. two years. So once phone, iPhone technology and phone started taking pictures, I'm like, send me a picture, give me one uh, from distance, give me one up close so I can see what kind of texture I'm matching. And I give them a quote that way. I tell them my availability, like lightning fast, like I'm doing it that's the same moment. Okay. So, and that saves me a ton of time, a ton of gas money. Um, and like gas, like six, seven bucks out here in California right now. So I, I don't ever drive to a job unless it's the only time I take that back. Sometimes I'll do flood cuts because flood cuts can get a little more intricate. Like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Pauses, yeah. You know? yeah. But you're but pretty lean. It. Your, your business model is very lean. Yeah. You're and like, I, I don't even want to waste the gas to go look at it unless it's like a flood damage or something major, you know? Yeah. That makes sense. So, and it works for me. And if somebody doesn't like that, I'm like, I apologize. I just, I'm super busy and which I always am. So I'm like, I really can't, I might be able to schedule in a week or two and go look at that if you want to wait that long. And, but most people with my reviews, my reputation, word of mouth, I, I land probably 90% of my work, you know, that I bid. Yeah. Which and I your, pri your prices are good. They're, they're like high. Yeah, they're, they're good. I don't know if I should say that. I won't leave the house for less than 350 bucks. Okay. And that's for it's nothing. That's chump change. Yeah. <laughs> That'll <laughs> fill up your knock, tank. I can knock that out. In, <laughs> like I said, in an hour or two, you know, with hot yeah. blow dryers and in, in a close radius. Cause like, I'm kind of, <laughs> kind of, uh, Oh, what's the word? Uh, a little grumpy when it comes to spoiled. Long you're spoiled. spoiled. Yeah. Like I don't want to drive more than 45 minutes either direction. Yeah. That's smart. If, if possible. I'll do it once in a while when it's a good paying job, but otherwise yeah. I'm staying more local. You and know. adapt. I mean, if I have to adapt, I'm going to change my business model and, and adapt a little. Like I don't offer yeah. paint. I don't want to paint. I don't have enough room in my van to carry painting materials. No. That's I'm a licensed California. I have to have a drywall license. I'm a licensed drywall contractor. So yeah. I'm just going to do drywall. You know? Yeah, you have to be licensed in New Mexico too. Oh, are they now? Okay, because Colorado wasn't that way. I used to. I've had my there. license for uh, eight, nine years. Okay, I didn't know New Mexico. I knew it was like California, Florida. Yeah, you Denver. wouldn't think with the quality of work here. It, I, I don't think it matters much, but it's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> um, <laughs> uh, that 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 lack of quality is probably universal, not not just not just here in Albuquerque. So yeah. are you like OCD when you walk in someplace and you start seeing bad work? Cause it's like, Oh, my, my eye just goes naturally. It sucks like worse with Fresco Harmony because I notice texture. Like I'll notice the entire room and think yeah. about how like this room could be better. You know, like, like you walk into Santa Fe, you go into a gallery where they're selling $45,000 pieces of art and they have this shit ass texture on the wall. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Or like the El Dorado major hotel in Santa Fe. 
thousand dollars a night and they got popcorn on the ceilings you know like that kind of shit just like bugs me to no end like Like, really this is the best you could come up with you know uh so that's a little different affliction but yeah of course i notice every patch i and i'm always like oh yeah you could float that wall and those patches those little things would be gone yeah but um yeah yeah you know we had uh the challenge with me comes from like today i gave this client a very good price we're doing two rooms but they're looking at the whole house they want the mm-hmm. entire house covered uh texture and paint and um i'm doing the first two rooms at three dollars a square foot but i gave them a bid for 250 five thousand square foot house all right okay. they're at 37k for the entire house mm-hmm. the drywall company and he was cool the the owner was cool he told me where the uh where the drywall company came in at level five two coats mm-hmm. and paint they were about three thousand over my bid oh wow yeah. wow so i was right in there i was like great because all we're doing we're not sanding at all so if you're yeah. doing level five, it's like grind, grind, grind mm-hmm. between the coats, light, a lot of work. it's got to be tits. And then you got to have, and then the paint's going to show everything. Forget about it. Nightmare, nightmare yeah. all day long, sit piles of sanding dust everywhere. Yeah. Uh, you know, the ceiling's like a heavy kind of brocade. Okay. And um, Jack went in. So we're kind of dialing it. So I have to do that damage control. I have to talk to them about the finish and then now all of a sudden they're getting a little bit picky but which is okay you know they're dropping coin i get it but yeah. also like you're not dropping that much but the difference between where you we're doing patterson snow sanded and so it kind of looks like uh it looks very much like venetian plaster it's really pretty <laughs> we're doing two coats thin base coat second coat with the sand you let it dry halfway and then you seal it okay. and this, and kind of like wet floating Hmm. like or wet sanding yeah you know with your trowel it calm it calms down that second coat and uh just i mean they're happy they're happy as shit he told me today he's like we're going with you but they are they're still being picky so jack's like jack gets all nervous and i'm like (laughs) dude don't worry i'll talk just let me talk to him (laughs) you know because then then i go into sales mode you know um but a lot of that with with what i do a lot of that expectation management like dude you're not paying for plaster you're paying for this it's two coats of this it's one coat of sealer this is this is how it looks yep and that's what you got to sell and that's how it's got to be in your paperwork and that's what they got to they got to know the expectations yep yep there's no guarantees and my this is verbatim there's no guarantees from sample to surface due to lighting other colors present furniture and substrate so if I'm going over a heavy brocade on the ceiling, that finish might look a little different than when I'm going over an orange peel on the wall. Yeah. Now, you, you know, so yeah, my contract's pretty, pretty sound. And at the end of the day, none of that really matters. People have expectations and a lot of any specialty finish is managing expectations. Yeah. Paint, paint and texture, they know what they're going to get. P- Venetian plaster, Fresco Harmony, these finishes it's like they're specialized <laughs> that 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 is a challenging aspect of this that drywall guys don't want to deal with so you know that that's a hard part of jumping into the specialty stuff yeah. you know it's not impossible but you have to be willing to uh have those conversations now have you guys branched out into further west where, where, where's fresco harmony how like your where's it most popular uh that's a good question no we're in like 48 states you know it just depends oh, yeah. it depends i get a lot of traction from the drywall groups yeah maybe 48 states you okay. know there might be a couple states we're not in but uh sales are pretty steady but in colorado we're doing really well but i think that's only because we have locations there, nice. you know, Vail, Aspen, hiring markets, mm-hmm. anybody, great markets. anybody that wants specialty finish, but they kind of, everybody's tired of plaster, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and no offense to plaster. It's just, it's hard to do. It's laborious. You can't patch it. It's expensive. The, you know, there's, there's, there, there's a laundry list. 
and it's old school guys and there's not a lot of new guys doing plaster yeah and i mean you know it looks beautiful if you do it properly it just is very time consuming it's hard to get you know ten dollars a square foot or whatever and if you notice they never talk about square footage price it's like yeah yeah, in theory that's that is a beautiful finish but you're competing against tile or marble at those prices put a slab of marble up you know so it's it's a challenging sale I'm always talking about pricing because I think it's important. And the the value proposition of Fresco Harmony gets me footage and it's an interesting conversation. And it's kind of how, why the drywall podcast kind of started is because I'd call dudes like you, you'd call me up and be like, we just start blabbing about drywall, you know, and yeah. like, Hey, yeah. I got, I got a couple walls. The clients want them skimmed. I'm thinking about Fresco. What should I do? And then I'll just, you know, tell you what to do. You know. So how long have you been doing drywall? Um, I started in the union, maybe 99. Okay. Uh, and I was doing drywall drywall for, uh, I did a year and a half in the union. And then I moved down to Bisbee, Arizona. And I worked piece rate for about a year and a half there. And then I moved up to Crested Butte, Colorado. And I did that rounded my education. I got into the pool trial texture and, uh, that was my boss's idea. He, uh, we were using pool trial and Hawk and I didn't, I had never used a Hawk and I was like, okay, I'll, I'll do it. And, uh, we were finishing walls to like a level three, just tape the angles. And then we were floating out the whole wall with this Santa Fe texture and I was like, that's pretty cool, you know, and, and it covers a lot. Yeah, it saves a lot of work. It saves a lot of work. And then I did a little bit, I learned a little bit of hanging there, but then in Crested Butte, that's where the idea of, oh, you could use this texture and you could do, you could color the mud and do like paint and texture at the same time. That was the original idea. Okay. And it, idea. It, it morphed, you know, yeah. I mean, obviously the first challenge was how the hell do I consistently color a batch of mud that was my first challenge (laughs) you know and then and then you got to seal it it's not you know how do you seal it and when you're doing the colors is it mud specific because every every manufacturer has different mud not at all it's uh just a it's a it's a formulated color for one 3.5 gallon box of joint compound or you can you could you could also use a color pack in a five gallon Mm-hmm. A, a bucket of green lid okay. um, if you wanted to your color is going to be a little lighter though because you're using more material more nice and now have you used like the level five or any other skimming blades uh i got uh i started out with the tape tech skim blades okay and those are nice they're just that plastic body on them i mean as far as lightness they're great but they just if you drop it they crack they break real easily so I got hooked up with Columbia and Columbia sent me out uh, three different sizes of their skin blades. Sure. And those things are like built like tanks. They're super heavy, but I like, I just like the way they feel. It's like, it's like, you know, going from a China made car to a, a German made car. You just feel the quality in it. Yeah. Columbia seems like a pretty good company. Like they got, I like their branding too. I like the black and the predator, you know, yeah. bazooka. It's pretty cool. They're standing behind their stuff pretty good. Level five, I've heard their tools, but I mean, I can't say because I've never run them. I've have, I have some of their knives and pans. Okay. Um, and they're they're you know a knife. Jack Jack loves their knives. Yeah, we've got a couple. They gave me some stuff to give away at like trainings and stuff. And uh, I've met Scott a couple times at the Intex. I just saw him at the recent. Really cool guy. And they're always like coming up with new stuff. But he's very passionate about his stuff man i mean you know like when you meet those guys in person it's like the rubber meets the road yeah that's what's nice is when you get a ton of followers like that and you hit you find the right interest with the bigger companies then they send you out some swag you get perks once in a while so yeah yeah um so yeah so with level five scott those guys have been super supportive joe with trim tex has always been supportive of me and what i'm up to and that's cool like I dig that. <laughs> no, never get it. 
Never give up. Keep be a fighter. Who was it? It was Rick Moore, uh, uh, you know, drywall hand finishers at one time. I'll say this. He, uh, I was probably feeling down about something and I posted and maybe had, you know, an air of like, you know, defeatedness or something. And he was like, dude, don't ever stop. Like, you know, this industry needs people like you. And it was just, it was the best thing that somebody could have said to me at that time, you know, and I just, I don't know. I don't know. I learned from the old school guys. I don't know about you, but I've been doing this 35 years now. Yep. I started when I was seven years old. Yeah, and screws in homes with my dad because no OSHA back in the day. My dad smoking, cutoffs. Yeah, know, half the time with a shirt, without a shirt in these hot houses, and I was spotting screws till I got bored. Penny a screw, you know, and I'd make a oh nice dollars from the buy some candy. Then I go out yeah. in the field and play. But yeah, and then so I just kept you know every summer working with my dad a little here and and then got in high school and I was like I don't want to be a drywaller so I I was taking vocational classes for uh, the printing industry so okay. uh, I was a stri- uh, a lithographic film stripper for interesting three years. yeah so it was pre-press so pre-press this is back before all the technology computers yeah so we had the big kluge cameras I was in a dark room all day yeah and I just got fried and burned out doing that so I did that for three years and then the technology changed and they're like hey you can go out and do the uh, bindery putting all the books and stitching together and I was like no I was trained for this because it was all going to max computerized they call it stripping uh, to make the plates right off the you know for the press Crazy. So they phased out my department. I was like, yeah, I'm out of here. So I went back and my dad had a summer job. It was uh, for the post office. It was Davis Bacon wages. So it was prevailing. It was great. So I was like, like making 20 bucks an hour to start. This was back in 89. So I was like, yeah, okay. I was making bank. Yeah, that was good <laughs> in 89. Yeah. And that's what got me sucked into, into the construction industry was you make that good, that good money, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, it was interesting too. Uh, yeah, I went to college, but I just, as soon as I got into construction, I was just like, oh man, why did I waste a year and a half in college? You know, but I, I feel like I might have been ahead of my time thinking that way. You know, but- I didn't go to college, so I can't say. But I think mm-hmm. there's perks to both. Like, yeah, I can't sit in a cubicle all day. I like I, my job changes daily. You know, yeah, your job sites. I meet interesting new clients. Yeah, um, and I have my own independence. I wish I wouldn't have done 20 years of commercial. I wish I would have started my business 20 years ago. Yes, I'd be sitting pretty right now. You know, and saving all that money and not working hourly for the man, and it would have been. So if I if you got the skills and you can do it on your own take off with that as soon as you can don't sit on your haunches too long because it's better to do your own thing versus working for somebody but you need to build up those skills first because a lot of people are just like i look at the facebook <laughs> and say like i've been doing this nine months and now i'm gonna like there's two there's two aspects of that one is yes know your trade before you branch out on your own the other one is uh you have to when you go out on your own you there's a jumping off point where you have to risk you have to risk failure and that that is a that is a challenging one so the guys that are jumping out there on their own i try not to judge them too harsh because even if they have nine months and they don't know shit they're gonna learn um but but definitely there's no you know there's nothing wrong with working in the trade for five, six, seven years and really getting a solid foundation. Um, and I was lucky too, that I had my boss in Crested Butte would be, he was open about talking about, I didn't understand square footage price, mm-hmm. but I, I was inquisitive. I was always like, how do you bid this house? Yeah. And he would tell me, he's like, ah, I measured this wall. Cause he's like, it's square footage. I was like a wall square footage. Do you count the door? Do you count the window? And I was asking questions, you know, yeah. and he would, he was cool though. If you have a boss, that's a dick and won't like divulge that information, find a new boss, yeah. you know, like, cause th- there's no reason why you shouldn't know why the, why you're getting paid the amount you are. Also, if you're good, ask for a raise. There's no shame in that either. I asked for a raise many times and gotten it because yeah. I knew my value. If you're making the boss money, then you can ask for a raise. 
but uh, learning about uh, pricing is that I mean that you know that's why you're getting people on the pages asking about pricing because they're jumping out there and nobody ever happen. taught them. <laughs> I was like, how many times? That's every time I open Facebook. That's the very first thing. How much are you guys charging? What should I charge for this? And it's like, oh, yeah, the never-ending question. Well, it's so. funny that the drywall guys get so upset about that too, and it's interesting. Um, I get it. Like, I I get it. But that person is not going to learn because they probably have a boss that's not telling them. Nobody taught me, Nick. I, part I of it is the, yeah they don't want to know crafty. they don't want you to know how much they're making off your ass i mean that's yeah. part of it yeah my commercial companies never told us a lick of anything The you know the estimators never would say one thing so when i when i branched out on my own when i did my first patch ever it was like how much do i want to make on this i was making 200 dollars a day hourly you know working 20 25 bucks an hour for a company yeah so like i want to make at least 200 dollars for the day and but yeah when you think as a business owner it's like no you you got to take that out more you got wear and tear on your vehicle you got insurance you got you know the material costs so it's yeah. like okay so i gotta start at this point so 350 mm -hmm. all day every day was my entry point like and i tell yeah. people that when they when they ask for a patch repair they're like how much is it gonna like well that doorknob hole as much as I want to go do it for you for a hundred bucks, it's going to yeah, be. Yeah. And honestly, Dan, that's cheap, dude. I think you could have a $500 minimum and tell people that and you get it. I'm, I'm, up, I'm up quite a bit. I'm, okay, I'm, good. I'm, I'm, I'm there plus some. Okay, good. Yeah. yeah. I like that advice though. And I like that direction of conversation. Um, you know, generally I ask somebody, what would they, uh, if they could bestow a pearl of wisdom upon our drywall community, uh, what would they say? Um, you know, what would you tell, what would you tell our community? Um, you gotta have confidence in yourself and what you're providing you. So, you know, people don't want to see you hesitant or, Oh, I don't know. You just know what you're doing. You know, like I said, you've got to have that basic basis of experience like because I, I did that commercial training for four or five years shoot it was like spot and screws for like the first six months and then they're like hey do an angle by hand and then you know you move on to corner bead nail metal yeah it's just those basic steps you get good at that and then you take that and if you're gonna do your own thing then you apply that to you know those same principles and that's a good foundation and then like texture, since I was commercial, all smooth wall, I had to learn it on my own. Yeah. I bought a hopper and, but I was a little different. I had old scraps of drywall. I'd be outside messing around practicing with that stuff. Yeah. Or a lot of guys, same on the forums. How do I match this? Well, yeah. texture is air pressure, water content. It's a whole bunch of different steps. Yeah. If you're going to knock down, if you knock it down too hard and too flat, you get yeah. the big, you know, too soon, you get big flat spots. If you do it too slow, you'll make micro dots. It's, yep. it's a whole conglomerate of like just general knowledge that you, you, you learn that over time. Like, Oh, and I'm an OCD on my texture. So I'll be, I'll, I'll scrape it back off or I'll respray it. Dry it yeah. Out. You posted one recently where you were like, does this look good to you guys? And I was like, well, that wasn't, that wasn't my I think. I think he's testing, he's either testing us or because I was like, yeah, I mean, it kind of looks like shit, but you know, whatever, if the, if the clients was, like it. <laughs> that was my OCD. I was working within four feet of that, that spot and I'm actually uh, okay. possibly go back. I didn't spray that or paint that. So I was like, yeah. what's your take on this? Would you leave this? Because yeah. I wouldn't have left that. Cause that, right. that, that bothers me too big. Yeah. A flat spot. I know sometimes in bigger houses or it happens, you know, you get a whole crew knocking down. That's why it happens. But when I'm doing individual stuff on my wall, my, I'm, I'm trying to get as uniform as possible. That's a testament to your uh, integrity. So that's good. That's good. Mudman Dan, he likes to leave a no trace, right? That's the goal. We I'm like, we weren't even here, patch, but I try and make them as seamless and as, you know, blended as possible but lesson learned nick paperwork has to be in order yeah and and if once you have that then you can go file those liens yes it's a pain in the butt but 
at least you have leverage to go, Hey, we're going to court. I'll see you in court. You want to waste your time? Fine. I'll waste my time over, you know, five yeah. months, whatever. Um, maybe I will, maybe I won't, but at least yeah. you have that because when it's not, when it's just a handshake, it's not like the old days when men were men. And now it's like, you better get, have get a sign. Just get a sign contract. It keeps, and I tell my clients, it keeps everybody honest. This also makes sure that I come and do the work. Yeah. It's not just making sure that I get paid. It makes sure that I it makes sure that I show up and do what I say that I'm going to do. It works both ways. Yeah. So good stuff. I've seen, on, I've seen in those forums, guys are like, I can't get paid. What should I do? And the guys are like, go over with the baseball bat. Well, you know, that was the old days. That don't work so much anymore. No, you'll end up in jail. Yeah. There's a lot of us out there in the drywall industry, and it's it's a curious thing. And these are questions that people want to know. They're they're coming on, and and I think this is a more intimate less aggressive format than than facebook you know where uh maybe we can help like the newcomer coming up and uh you know people people that are they're curious you know about the trade and and it's just something interesting to listen to while you're while you're on the job maybe you know well i'm i don't know about you but i'm passionate about it now because one i've got i've run across hundreds of amazing clients and they like my work, which just gives me more fuel, more fire to like, hey, I'm gonna, hopefully I'm always trying to tweak my stuff, make it better, quicker, you know, without losing quality. So I'm like, and I'm just super passionate about it. Yes, it's just drywall, but you know what? Drywall can be hung kind of by anybody. Uh, it takes a special person or a lot, of, a lot of practice to be a good finisher and have a good eye. Um, mm. running mud, seeing high edges, seeing, you know, blending yeah. textures. I think finishing to me is more on the artistic side. Yeah. It's a real um, art. I yeah. think it's a lot different plaster guys, Venetian guys, all, and anybody that's putting mud on a wall, even your, your case, it's, it's gotta be applied just right. Or it'll look like an eyesore. Mm-hmm. can never make it go away with paint. Sometimes you can cover it with more texture, but it's got to be the underlying has to be solid. Yeah. Mudman Dan. uh, Thank you for being on the drywall podcast today. Um, Exciting. A little bit difference, but like your product and Venetian plaster are just amaze me because the colors and differences you can do. Whereas I'm not going to lie, man, drywall mud is just, Wax on, wax off, wax yep. on, you know, maybe texture here and there. So yep. when you yep. add that pizzazz to it, it's like night yeah. day. Yeah, it's yeah. fun. Cool. Um, all right, sir. Well, you have a good evening and we will catch up with you soon. Thank you. Sounds good. Great talking to you. Thanks all right, good talking me. to you. Bye. Yep. Special thanks to Mudman Dan for being on the Drywall Podcast today. We certainly appreciate your time with us as always to help take us out the dark lord himself the devil thank you nick i certainly enjoyed listening to mudman dan's story seems like a very knowledgeable character and doesn't seem likely i will be seeing him anytime soon seems like a good guy i appreciate you once again having me on the show back to you don't mention it. We love having you. The Drywall Podcast is brought to you by Fresco Harmony. Fresco Harmony, making walls better since 2004. If you are interested in trying some Fresco Harmony, you can email us at info at frescoharmony.com and we will ship you a sample pack absolutely free. Thank you for listening to the Drywall Podcast today. We certainly appreciate it. And uh, remember, as always, keep drywalling.